In our Lord's Table series, we've been going through the characteristics of our Lord, and we have looked at three of the differing churches in the first three chapters of the book of Revelation, noting the characteristics of our risen Lord. So let's read Revelation chapter 2, beginning in verse 18, and I'm going to read down through verse 29. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, The Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet like burnished brass, says this, I know your deeds and your love and faith and service and perseverance and that your deeds of late are greater than at first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and she teaches and leads my bondservants astray so they commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, and she does not want to repent of her immorality. Behold, I will throw her on a bed of sickness, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of her deeds. And I will kill her children with pestilence, And all the churches will know that I am He who searches the minds and hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your deeds. But I say to you, the rest who are in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not known the deep things of Satan as they call them, I place no other burden on you, Nevertheless, what you have, hold fast until I come. He who overcomes and he who keeps my deeds unto the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of the potter are broken to pieces. As I also have received authority from my Father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to churches. So our concern this afternoon is verse 18. When the Lord Jesus describes himself in this way, the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like burnished bronze says this. Christ has been describing Himself according to His own person and attributes. And He is describing Himself to these seven churches with the attributes that those churches need to come to know, to understand, and to embrace to correct their error. And so when we looked at the first church, the church at Ephesus, The characteristic of our Lord is that in verse 1, He holds the seven stars in His right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden candlesticks. Those candlesticks are the churches, 
and the stars in his right hand, according to Revelation chapter 1 and verse 20, are his angels or his messengers that he has placed in those churches to deliver his message. The second is in verse 8 of Revelation 2, to the church at Smyrna. Christ is the first and the last. He was the one who was dead, but now is alive. That Jesus Christ himself alone is God. He is prior all things, and he is the cause of all things. He is unchangeable, unmoving. He is neither diminished, nor is he improved. We call that immutable. And Christ himself died and was risen from the grave. And that is the message to that church at Smyrna. And if you remember, they were going under persecution, even unto death. So what would you need to know about our Lord? He was raised from the what? He was raised from the dead, and so therefore his people will be raised from the dead. The church, the third church was in verse 12, the church at Pergamum. And here in this church, he says, verse 12, <clears throat> that he is the one who has the sharp two-edged sword. And we talked about, among other things, that Christ himself can, as it were, enter into a local New Testament congregation and wage war against those in the church. And in this particular case... Those who were holding, look at verse 14, to the teaching of Balaam, and verse 15, the teaching of the Nicolaitans. It's amazing for us to think that Christ could actually war against those two two people, groups of people, that are holding to these doctrines. But he does do that, does he not? If someone comes into our church and they are holding the doctrine of the Roman Catholic Church, and we preach the Bible, which is the sword of the Spirit, it will go to war against them. And they will either submit to the teaching of the Bible, or they will flee from the teaching of the Bible. Christ does and can wage war against false doctrine within a local New Testament church. And that brings us down to verse 18, and that is the church at Thyatira. Now what I want to do is just bring out a few characteristics of this church that will help us understand why our Lord speaks of himself in this fashion. I told my wife, I said, I just wish I could have two or three Lord's Day to really preach this particular church because this particular church is characteristic of many churches in America today. What are some of those characteristics? Well, first of all, I want to bring out the commendations that Christ gives to this church. Look at verse 19. He says, I know your deeds, your love, your faith, your service, and your endurance or perseverance. All of those things are fruit of the 
fruit of the Spirit. So here in this church, there were those within the church who were outworking the fruit of the Spirit. And what is interesting is that our Lord says in verse 19 that the deeds of late are greater than at the first. So their works were manifold and their works were increasing. They were given a measure of divine love and they improved on that divine love, kind of like the person who was given five talents. And then he went and he exercised those five talents and when his master came, he came and said, look, Lord, you gave me five, but here's what? Here's ten. This church was multiplying in their works and in the outworking of the Spirit. They were also enduring in the faith. Look at verse 25. It says, Nevertheless, what you have, hold fast until I come. And folks, the phrase hold fast implies that there is something or someone trying to what? To take this from you. Hold fast until I come, verse 26, he who overcomes and keeps my deeds. Everybody see that? So here was a church that was outworking the fruit of the Spirit. That fruit was multiplying in that church, resulting in manifold works. And they were enduring in the faith. In spite of all the attacks, and as we're going to come to see, in spite of the false teaching that was going on there in that church, they were holding fast. And Christ says to them, Now what you possess, what I've given to you, what you possess, don't move from that. Be steadfast and enduring all the way to the end. And if you do that, here is the reward for doing that. I would call that a great congregation, wouldn't you? To have a church where the fruit of the Spirit was being outworked one to another and those deeds were multiplying year by year by year in their service, in their perseverance, and in their faith, and in their divine love one to another... That is a wonderful thing to be seeing in a local New Testament church. However, there was a problem with this church. And the problem was, is that they were infested with false doctrine and practices. Can that happen? Can you have a church with a faithful remnant or a faithful majority within it that is also infested with false teaching and practice? The answer to that is, yes, it can. And our Lord is aware of this. And it's in verses 20 through 23, He delineates the false doctrine and the practices that were going on in this assembly. So number one... They were tolerating a woman whose name is what? Jezebel. Jezebel. Now, I don't think that there was a particular woman in that congregation whose name was Jezebel. I think our Lord is saying that there is a woman in that congregation, regardless of her name, but her character reflected whose character in the Old Testament? Jezebel. Jezebel. 
And even though I want to, we're not going to go and look at those characteristics, although they are instructive. So here's a woman whose character was as the character of Jezebel. And by the way, she was not a godly woman. And she was not a believer. Now this woman would have been in the church and she would be a professing one a professing believer, or she would not be within that congregation. But the one who sees all, sees her. What was this church doing with this woman Jezebel, verse 20? They were tolerating her. Everybody see that? So folks, are there instances in a local New Testament congregation where we should not tolerate something. That is correct. Christ is saying to this church, look, there are false doctrine and practices in this church, and one of those false practices is you're tolerating this woman whose character and nature matches the character and nature of Jezebel in the Old Testament. So that's number one. Secondly, look at verse 20. How does she title herself? She calls herself a prophetess. Now folks, a prophet in the Old Testament was one who could foretell certain things. In the New Testament, a prophet could foretell certain things, but he could also bring forth new revelation from the Scripture. And this woman is not a prophet, but a prophetess. Now what is fascinating about this statement is, is that she calls herself a what? But Christ never calls her that. Did you note the wording? She calls herself a prophetess. Christ doesn't call her that. Christ doesn't recognize this about her. But evidently, she was there. Her character was one, like Jezebel of the Old Testament. And she must have claimed that whatever teaching that she had, whatever practice that she was advocating... It was something that was built on something, but it was new and it was a revelation from God. She's claiming that what she's teaching is from who? Is from God or from Christ. So firstly, her character is Jezebel. Secondly, she calls herself a prophet. Thirdly, verse 20. She teaches and leads my bondservants astray. In other words, folks, is she teaching her doctrine? The result of her teaching is that whose people? My people, Christ's own people, are being led astray. Everybody see that? Can God's people be led astray like this? The answer to that is yes. 
And what her teaching does, and what her teaching causes God's people to be led astray is this. Look again at verse 20. It causes God's people, it leads God's people astray so that these two things happen. Number one, they commit acts of what? Everybody see that? And number two, they eat things sacrificed to idols. Everybody see that? Is she leading God's people astray? Is the church tolerating it? The church is tolerating it. How is she leading them astray with her teaching? Because the fruit of her teaching is sensuality and an engagement in temple idolatries. Now how could she do that? Well, brethren, we have a book in our Bible that deals with foods offered to idols. What book is that? 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapters 8, 9, and 10. All those three chapters deal with a teaching in the church at Corinth that basically said, all things are lawful for me. Everybody hear that? So here it is. I'm saved by His grace. I'm saved apart from human works. And I'm saved apart from the law. And being saved, I have been made free. Is all that true? That is true. But if you take the next step, I'm free so I can do whatever I want to do is the wrong step. And so what the Corinthians were doing is they were saying, now look, free from the law, oh happy condition. And that idol over there is nothing. There's only one God and the idol's nothing. And the best food is at the idol's temple because people would offer the best of what they had and the priest would sanctify that, offer it to the idol, and then of course the idol can't eat, right? It's dead. And so what the priest would do is they would take the food and they would go and sell it in the market at a premium. Or they would have a feast to partake of that. Similar, though not exact, like we do with the Lord's table. Here's food, and it represents the body and blood of Christ. Here's food, meat, offered to idols, and it's supposed to symbolize something. And so Paul comes down and he says this, you know, if you're over at somebody's house and they feed you a nice filet mignon and it comes out and they feed it to you and you know that the only place they could have got that was down there at the temple grocery store. Can I eat it? 
Do I have the liberty to eat it? Depends. Right? What does it depend on? Well, if that person comes and puts that filet right down in front of me and that's all they say, eat and enjoy it. But if they lay this meat down in front of me and they say to me, now, this meat has been offered to idols. Do I eat? I do not eat. Why? Not for my conscience sake, but for the one who said, who associated that meat with idolatry. Everybody follow me. That's the Corinthian situation. So folks, perhaps what this lady was doing is she was teaching in such a way as to magnify beyond scriptural boundaries the liberties that we have in Christ Jesus. Does that happen today? Is there teaching out there that are leading God's people astray justifying all types of iniquity and sin because they are now free in Christ Jesus. Well, folks, you know the answer to that is what? Yes, it's everywhere. I get to go to the beach and walk around naked. And you can't tell me that's wrong. I'm a believer. You're just a legalist because you say I can't do that. That's the type of teaching that's out there. Or, teaching that says, and this is in America, believe it or not, I can curse. I can take God's name in vain. I'm not under the law, right? So I can curse because I want to identify with the culture. Do they curse? Sure. So I'm going to curse too. Or teaching that says, you know what we need to do? We need to bring in the world's music. Is the world's music sensual? Is it feel-good-only music? Now what I'm going to do, I'm going to put good words with that music, but I'm going to use the the sound of the world to, to melt that up with those words. And I'm going to argue that if you try to say from the Bible that you shouldn't do that, that you're a legalist. You're trying to bring me back under rules and regulations. Perhaps that's what this woman was teaching against. And folks, the result of this was not only was there an approach to things sacrificed to idols, in other words, participating in the idolatrous worship, like some evangelicals have approached Roman Catholic leadership to try to find common ground. There is no common ground. But folks, what is the other thing that it leads to? Immorality. And folks, fornication, adultery, immorality, homosexuality, and you could go on and on and on and on 
our growing acceptance within the Christian churches today. And if you tell them that's wrong, you get labeled. You're a legalist. Here's the other label that's branded around. You're just a fundamentalist. As if that's a shame word. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? And folks, has immorality decreased in our land? Has immorality decreased within our churches? They even help it. Giving young people time to be alone without supervision. Encouraging dating at early and earlier ages. Telling them you don't need to be supervised by parents. This is wrong. This is a teaching that is characterized by whose name? Jezebel. And folks, what what Jezebel and her husband did is they took the worship of Jehovah and they blended the worship of Baal and they brought those two things together. And you remember the prophet that gave them fits was a man named Elijah. And it is so permeated the land of Israel that Elijah thought he was the only prophet of God left in that nation. And folks, I just want to encourage you. If you're the only one in your family holding a New Testament standard, hold it. If we're the only church or if I'm the only pastor holding this New Testament standard that's not tolerating this teaching, hold it. Christ says, hold it fast. Everybody hear that? This isn't just, this is old-fashioned, or this is from the 50s, or this is from the 20s. Those are all things to try to get you sidetracked from what the Lord says about it. And He doesn't change. He's always against fornication. One of the things that we have going on in our churches today is saying that people who not only commit acts of fornication, but live in fornication for years, calling them believers. When the Bible says, don't you know that such people shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Isn't that what Christ said? How can we tolerate that if we really love them with the divine love? And they were tolerating it here. So first of all, her character was Jezebel. She called herself a prophetess. She was teaching the people of Christ and leading them astray, leading them to engage in fornication and engage in temple idolatries, probably under the guise of this is your liberty in Christ. By the way, let me just say with that, we have been liberated. In Christ, we have been liberated from sin. We've not been liberated 
to sin. Everybody hear the difference? We have been liberated from sin to Christ, the Holy One. But folks, this lady was unrepentant. Look in verse 21 of Revelation 2. Christ says, I gave her time to repent. And she does not want to repent of her immorality. So let's pause here. Can Christ give a false teacher time? Why is He giving them time? So that they would repent. Everybody see that? Sometimes we'll say, well, why isn't God dealing with this false teacher or this false teaching or this person or that person? The goodness of God is to lead them to repentance. And folks, Christ giving her time to repent was not Christ tolerating the teaching. The church was tolerating the teaching because they were going to let her go on and this spread like a cancer. She is unrepentant. And folks, in verse 21, she doesn't even want to what? She sees the delay of God as approval of her message. And folks, sometimes people are like that. They'll say, well, I did this and nothing happened. Did it again and nothing happened. I've been doing this for two years and nothing happened. Christ will act. Will He not? And folks, not only is she unrepentant, but she is a fornicator and leads others into fornication. She is teaching this. She is fornicating. Look at verse 22. I will throw her on a bed of sickness and those who commit adultery with her. Everybody see that? Now, I'm not sure that she is committing physical fornication. Although this will lead to physical fornication. Who is she committing adultery against? Christ. Does she profess Christ? But she is adulterizing Christ. And she leads other people to adulterize Christ. And sixthly, she bears children through this fornication. Look at verse 23. I will kill her children with pestilence. What does that mean? Folks, when false teaching and false practices enter into a church, it gives birth to the next generation. 
And the next generation always takes it further than the previous generation. How many times have you met someone and they say to you, you invite them to church, maybe you give them a gospel witness and they say, oh, you know, I'm born again. My parents, they were really godly. They walked with the Lord. Now that's really not for me. So I'm kind of in church, out of church, whenever it meets my expectations, whenever there's something I really want to go to. Sometimes I'm there, sometimes I'm not. Really don't read my Bible, don't have family devotions, don't do anything. But I'm born again, alright? Tell me what happens to that family's children. Do they have interest in Christ? None at all. None at all. And Christ says, I will kill her children with pestilence. And all the churches will know that I am He who searches the minds and hearts. Folks, unsound doctrine takes time to produce unsound lifestyles. But it always will, won't it? The best thing we can do for our children is to walk with the Lord. To walk with the Lord closely. To give them a model, an example on what it means to be a genuine believer. To endure to the end. We want to model that we are careful on what we hear. Look at verse 29. He who has an ear, let him what? Hear. We need to model for our children that our ears are fully open to the words of Christ in our Bible. That we hear, we follow. We can pray for their salvation. We can groan for their salvation. We can yearn for their salvation. We can give them the gospel. But they must come to Christ themselves. But even if they do or don't, as for me, my house, we're going to serve who? We're going to serve the Lord. We never have an impact by compromising. We have an impact by walking in the light as He is in the light. You say, well, I'm doing that, but they don't like it. That's between them and the Lord. But i got to walk with the Lord. And folks, what's true for an individual is true for our church. remember years and years ago in my first uh, church that I pastored, we had a situation come up and had to take a stand for it. And one of the ladies came and talked to me about it. Dear sweet lady, she's still one of my beloved sisters to this day. She was talking about the situation and saying, you know, are, are we sure? Maybe, maybe we should just 
pray about this for a while and you know maybe we should just let it lay low for a while and and I said I don't think so and she said well what if everybody leaves and my response to her was this I would rather everybody leave and we walk with Christ than everybody stay and we don't right Unfortunately, they didn't all leave. <laughs> Folks, we have to be careful what we're putting in our ears. It will either lead us astray or it will lead us to Christ. No in-between. And folks, you know that song we teach to our children. Be careful, little ears, what you, what you hear. That's a good truth. And folks, what we know is this, is that our Lord will pay back according to our deeds. Look at verse 19. <clears throat> he says, I know your deeds. Does He know our deeds? He does. <clears throat> Look at verse 23. He says, I am He who searches the minds and hearts and I will give to each one of you according to your deeds. The Lord is faithful to reward us. Now folks, how does all that play in with the description that Christ gives of Himself in verse 18? Well, folks, there's three things here that He wants us to see. First of all, He reminds this church of His deity. He is the what? He's, God. He's the Son of God. In other words, these words in our Bible are not the words of men. They're not the words to be played around with. If Christ writes, flee fornication... Does he mean it? He does mean it, does he not? Why? He's the Son of God. They need to be reminded of who he is. The people who are tolerating this within the church, who have compromised the true worship of Christ, need to be reminded who He is. And they need to be reminded of whom they're dealing with. Folks, in a church, in a church body, it's not, oh, I'm just dealing with the pastor and his particular views or his particular opinions. If what that messenger is saying to you is what the Scripture says, those are words from the Son of God. You could take my words, take it or leave it. But if they're the words of the Son of God, you can't just leave it. Right? And they are dealing with Christ. Folks, if, if we're church, that's who we're dealing with. 
The second thing that he wants us to see are his eyes. His eyes are like a what? A flame of fire. Folks, what a fire does is it exposes whether something is wood, hay, or stubble, or whether it is gold, silver, precious stones, right? If a fire burst out a building, immediately you know what parts of that building were flammable and what parts weren't. Because what's left would still be what? Standing. And folks, those eyes, look at chapter 1 verse 14 where he brings this up that his head and his hair were white like white wool like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. And you remember what John did when he saw him? Fell down at his feet as dead. Those are searching eyes, are they not? In chapter 2, verse 23, we've already read it. I am he who searches the minds and hearts. Is He doing that today? Is He doing that now? Folks, does He know you? He knows all about you. His eyes see through the darkness of our hearts. He sees whether our hearts are pure or not. He knows the doctrine that you are believing, regardless of what you may say with your mouth. Yes, I agree with that confession of faith. Yes, I vote for that. He knows what you're really believing. And folks, He searches those types of things. This church surely needed to know that, did they not? Their spiritual fornication, which will lead to physical fornication, was seen by Christ. Not only that, He is the Son of God, He has eyes like a flame of fire, but His feet are like burnished bronze. Folks, there's two things here. Bronze in the Bible is a symbol of judgment. And what do you do with your feet? You walk, right? Christ's feet walk in the midst of the church. To do what? To give to each one of you according to your deeds. He makes those judgments. We're not always qualified to make those judgments. Why can I say that? Unless that person does it outwardly and physically, we we have no idea what's going on in the heart, right? But Christ does. And folks, lastly, no church is exempt from the risen Christ eyes 
over their works. He says to this church, I know your deeds. I know them. He knows ours, does He not? Why is this? If you walk away with anything, you've got to walk away with this. What you do ultimately mirrors what you believe. Did you hear what I said? What you do ultimately mirrors what you believe. So, if they are committing spiritual adultery against the risen Christ by going with this false teaching, what do you think that would lead to in practice? Physical adultery. Folks, a person who has committed physical adultery and physical fornication does so because of what they believe in their heart. A person that is on fire for Christ. I'm talking about New Testament walking with the Lord. They may battle with sensuality. We all do. But they would dare not commit physical adultery. Why? Because they want to be faithful to Him. Are we not called the bride of Christ? What would it look like for a bride of Christ to show up in the places of the world? Or a false temple? Or to partake in a feast? To idolatry? What would that look like? Paul writes to the Corinthians whose men were committing adultery with the the prophetesses in the pagan temple. He says, what? Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit which you have in you and you are not your? Don't you know that? How could you do that? Now I'm not saying that a genuine believer couldn't fall into an act of fornication. David did, didn't he? But to live that way, to make that a practice... And folks, the what he judges is this, verse 22. He's going to take that woman named Jezebel <clears throat> who is teaching and leading God's servants to commit acts of immorality. He's going to throw her in a bed. A bed of what? Sickness. Sickness. And he's going to throw her, look at it says, verse 22, I will throw her on a bed of sickness and those who commit adultery with her into what? And folks, that great tribulation could refer to God visiting them with sicknesses and disease. But normally in our Bible, when we read about great tribulation, you think about what? The seven-year 
great tribulation. What else is Christ going to do? Verse 23. What's He going to do to her children? He will kill her children with pestilence. So at the end of the day, the churches will fear God. They will know that Christ is alive and that He has searched the minds and the hearts and that He has given appropriately to every person's deeds. Everybody see that? This is our Lord, a judging what? Fire. A judging fire. I hope that there is no one here under the sound of my voice that is justifying their deeds of sensuality and fornication. (coughs) Who are justifying their frequencies with the ways of the world or the religious false systems of the world. Under this guise, while I have liberty in Christ, we have no liberty to practice unrighteousness. None. We have been liberated to practice righteousness. And I pray that every one of us will look in our own hearts, not just to find minutia of something there, but really to examine our hearts and what we truly believe and where we go and where we frequent and the practices that we do. And repent and follow Christ in what He has said in His Word. Because these are His words, are they not? He is the Son of God. Let's go to Him in prayer.